expanding the Nerdosphere, talking on everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. It's a historic 175th episode of the Down and Nerdy podcast where, you know, Nick, there was a guy that once said a man who catches a fly with a chopstick can accomplish anything, but I don't know if they'd be able to accomplish this. You're the best around. (laughs) Nothing's ever gonna break you down. Unless, of course, it's a YouTube Red series where they're gonna make the Karate Kid a fucking comedy. Yeah, I, I I gotta say, when I first saw the headline... I think it was on Twitter that I saw it, and then I read the article on Entertainment Weekly, and I'm like, oh, they're going to do a Karate Kid sequel series. Oh, it's going to be based in the future. Oh, Johnny's down on his luck, and Daniel's doing well, and it's a comedy? Now, I want people to understand, when James says based in the future, it's not like, oh, there's robots, and it's like Blade Runner. No, it's going to be 30 years after the original film, so it's pretty much set in today's era, basically, and it's going to center around... Johnny and of course you have Daniel Russo in there as well. So Johnny in the series, even though it's a comedy, uh, he's down on his luck. He's going to reopen the Cobra Kai dojo, and you know it's a redemption story. But it's also one of those things, man, where I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like it's just I'm not <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, and- you, you see the word comedy, and then you see that oh, here's another, and here's another thing that, that scares me. It's a comedy. But it's also going to be done by the the person who did Hot Tub Time Machine and the other person who did Harold and Kumar. And so it's like, yeah. oh, God, please don't be a raunchy comedy because it's also on YouTube Red. So, you know, it's the internet. So you can do whatever you want, basically. And I'm just like, oh, please don't go so far over the deep end with this. I know, and there was so much to look forward to, too, because it's like Ralph Macho's back, William Zabka's going to be involved, and you're like, oh, this sounds so perfect, but then you think about the whole comedy thing, and it's like, why? And it's going to be called Cobra Kai, by the way, so we were talking about this off the air, probably more focused on Johnny than Daniel, but at the same time, and then there's other problems with it, too, like, didn't they kind of patch things up? At the end of one and at the beginning of two? Yeah. I'm not saying that they're like bros or anything, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I mean, maybe it gets fired up again once Johnny finds out how well Daniel's doing and Johnny's not doing well, so maybe a jealousy type thing. I don't know, but but like you said, making it a comedy and getting the the uh, the team involved that's involved, yeah. I'm just, I'm worried, man. You know what I just thought of? This just reminds me of this whole concept of what they want to do with this. This is like... Everybody loves Raymond meets the Karate Kid where Daniel is is Ray and and Johnny is Robert. Yep. (laughs) So it's like that rivalry in a sense. And again, it's one of those things too where it's like, okay, don't forget, Karate Kid 3 pretty much was the fall of Cobra Kai in general because, you know, he took on the head, the actual head of Cobra Kai, you know, and so it's just – it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's a mo- It's not a movie, you know, so that's a good thing. You know, we talked about Nightmare Before Christmas last week about right. how, okay, it's good they're doing a manga sequel, not a movie or TV one. You know, this isn't a TV one. This is an internet one. It's YouTube Red. So, honestly, you don't have to watch if you don't want to. You know, it's something you have to subscribe to be part of and watch, and you don't have to do that if you don't want to. And 
I'm not going to lie, man. You know, my take on sequels after X amount of years or, you know, projects based on a certain show after X amount of years, it's not considered a reboot. It, it, it's, it, it's frightens me. And well, they want to make this a, an actual comedy. Uh, it doesn't sit well, dude. Well, luckily they've got a chance to come to their senses here. Here, Here's a question. So, you know how, since they want to make this a comedy, and I think even if they made it like a drama or whatever, they probably do the same thing. You know, when you have a certain property and it comes back to X amount of years, you have certain catchphrases or certain lines that somehow make their way back. Can you imagine if, like, this was a road trip movie, like planes, trains, and automobiles, and they're on a motorcycle, and and, and Daniel says to Johnny, like, sweep the kickstand or something like that when they park the bike? After what happened in Karate Kid 1 where he sent him down the hill, would you get on a bike with Johnny? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not a chance. But, yeah, I could, I could, there's definitely going to be quotes from the original movies in this. There's no question about it. Maybe a little bit of poking fun at Karate Kid 3 or even the next Karate Kid. I think they'll do a little bit of that hey, as well. But uh. I'm going to say this, man, while we're on this topic real quick. I like the next Karate Kid. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I liked Karate Kid 3. I like them all. Fuck I did. The haters. So, so, I mean, come on, man. I mean, but but this, I want that. You know me. I want this to be good so bad. I'm just, so I'm, bad. I'm just saying, monks dancing to the cranberries gives me life. So, yes. I, mean, <laughs> I just, and, and, and you know what? It's going to be hard for this to be a comedy because you know Miyagi's got to be dead at this point easily. Well, right? I mean, so, Pat Morita did die in 2005. Yeah. So, yeah, so you can't like have the character live on after th- and after 30 years. It's just not well, remember, possible. And remember, they actually did have that reboot with Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan as right. well. Oh. Right, and and I mean, I, I don't know. There's just there just don't seem to be a whole lot of creative comic moments in this concept. Yeah, man. But speaking of comics, coming up next, it's what we're reading. Stay tuned. More down and nerdy is coming up next. I'm writer Margaret Scott, and this is the Down and Nerdy podcast. Well, folks, it is that time where well, I should say the last time where we both pull out our long boxes, and we discuss what we're reading this week. And one of the series that has a lot of hype surrounding it, a lot of talk, a lot of buzz, people are really excited about this series, is, of course, DC Comics' Mr. Miracle. Of course, it's the 12-issue limited series written by Tom King. Mitch Gerards does the pencils, inks, and colors. Clayton Cowles does the letters. And, of course, you hear the names I just said. Well, that's because you hear Tom King, Mitch Gerards. Well, of course, they worked on Sheriff of Babylon. They also yep. worked on Vision as well. And I'm going to say this, man. This first part of this 12-issue series is a complete mindfuck, especially for me being somebody who's never read a Mr. Miracle comic. This first issue is a complete mindfuck, and it's a mindfuck in many different ways. And we'll start off, of course, with the story and the writing. Now, the writing as we all know, if you've read Mr. Miracle, even if you've read the synopsis for this book, you know he is master escape artist from Apocalypse and stuff like that. And he is a stage performer, basically. And, he's in the, you know, the book pretty much lays out, especially in the synopsis, that, you know, he's escaped everything but one thing, and that is death. And this is not a spoiler because this is literally the very first page. The very first page of the book, Mr. Miracle is basically on the floor, blood everywhere. It looks like he committed suicide, basically. And he's in his costume, and it's fucking graphic. And here's where the art comes in really well. It has that great, like, early days, 1950s, 40s, kind of, you know, dotted 
art. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it has that look. And the thing about the art is, and this is goes in well with the story. The story, I'm not going to spoil anything because it's really easy to spoil this book because there's a big kind of twist. As I said, this book messes with you. And throughout this whole time, you're going through these various different things inside of his mind. He's going through, you know, the light and everything like that and just his life in general. And you find out, well, wait a minute, why is this thing changing? Why does this thing seem different? And you notice things and it kind of confuses you a little bit in a good way. And then you find out what it is and you're like, oh, wow. So not only is he trying to, you know, cheat death really and, and beat death and escape it, he, he's got to escape something else. Yeah, and, and, it, it's, it, and it's a big threat. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, especially the way that Tom King writes stories like this. And I go back to when he was doing Omega Men. There was a there was very much a similar theme in Omega Men as well. And the especially the first couple issues, you're like, "Whoa, what's really going on here?" And then once you find out that you do have that wow moment, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, man. Of course, you know Barda in this plays a significant role as well, and. just without going too much into the story, because again, it's just spoiler territory. uh, This book, and this is what I love about Tom King's writing, is that he makes you think. And when you figure out what's happening towards, you know, I would say probably right at the beginning of the second act of this book, you feel smarter. You feel like you've accomplished something. (laughs) Like, oh my God, like this is happening. Okay, I figured this out. And you have to pay attention to small details in this book. And the art, Again, messes with your mind. The art, pretty much for the most part, changes throughout this book, which is really and awesome. It's really great. It has different styles, different use of colors. The way Gerard really does, like you know, for example, him and Barda are in the living room and they're just you know watching TV. It looks like watching a football game, and just like the, the blues and the sense of night and just different reality and what is real and what is not and, and what if anything is anything's changed and stuff like that and so just the art and then there's like part where he's like talking to a guy on, t- on a television show and it's really like looks like you're looking at a tv from like the 70s it has the lines and you know like you're, it kind of looks like uh not a scrambled channel, but kind of like you know when you get to a channel on television so high up back in the day, you started getting like the little wavy lines yeah, going up the screens like that. Reception, yeah. Oh yeah, and it has that man. I mean, this shows just how talented of an artist Gerard is, and uh, I mean, holy shit! From from beginning to end, this book really, really grabbed me. At first, my biggest fear was again not having never read a Mister Miracle book. I'm like, oh god, this seems a little bit too confusing for my take. But then when you get to that point where everything is starting to make sense and you're, it's revealed what's happening and you're realizing what certain words that are written mean, you're like, oh my God, there's something that's so much bigger than this. This isn't just an escape thing. This is something that's much, much bigger and much, much deeper. So for me, man, flat out, this is a pull for me. This, this, I am hooked. And I, again, I love books that make you think i love books that reward you and making you feel smarter than you really are at the end when you mm-hmm. figure things out you know and, and that's the great thing about reveals and you know doing reveals the right way is again giving that reader that sense of reward really goes a long way in, in doing your reveals and a lot of people don't understand how important of a character in the grand scheme of things that Mr. Miracle is, and I know that Tom King will do that justice throughout the series, and I hope we get to peel that onion even more as the issues go on. 
So what'd you do this week, man? Well, I figured, why not? We've talked about it a lot on the show, but we haven't reviewed it yet on the show, and it was time for IDW's first strike, the Hasbro comic book event. I guess this is phase two, you could kind of call it. So you heard the interview last week. Let's talk about the book this week. Of course, written by Margaret Scott and David A. Rodriguez. Art is by Max Dunbar. Colors by Anders Zarate. And letters by Tom B. Long. Now, again, we've we kind of got into what the story was last week. If you don't remember that, or if you haven't heard our interview last week, I would definitely go back and do that. So I won't rehash the actual story. But I will say one thing I love right off the bat about this book. And this is something that event series don't do often enough, but IDW does so smart. You know, within this first issue, who is responsible for a major event in this arc? Right in the first issue, right in about midway through the book, you understand exactly who was responsible for what happened. And then where this book goes from there is, of course, the chaos that ensues from said event. If you haven't read Revolutionaries, there might be a couple of little tiny spoilers in this review. I'm going to try and avoid them, though. But just in case you haven't read Revolutionaries, this is kind of an important piece to what's coming in this book. And if you haven't heard our interview either, by the way, definitely go back and listen to that as well. Let's just say when the major event happens, then the chaos that ensues, you find out who's involved, and then creeps in the why. That's where this first issue kind of goes, especially towards the end, is the why. Why did this person do what they did, and what are they going to do about it, and how do you go about finding out why they decided to make this decision? Because this first issue is basically about... One decision that one person decided to make and one side that they decided to choose that makes someone else in this story really, really wonder what's going on. And and again, if you go back to Revolution, you'll kind of, even, even before Revolutionaries, the main Revolution arc, you'll kind of get why this happens, and you'll kind of get who it is. You'll understand who it is right away, probably, if you've, if you've been deep in this IDW arc already but the as you start to peel away the why and how it affects two very certain characters in this book is really really interesting and and just talking about the art you know how amazing fico was on revolution and revolutionaries max dunbar takes a backseat to nobody max dunbar does a fantastic job with this book remember when Margaret was talking about the thing with the with the thousand ninjas jumping out of a transformer yeah yeah well that happens in this issue, and you, when, you, <laughs> when you finally get to see it, you're like, oh, damn, that's awesome. So don't, and again, the detail in that, we talk, you talked about this last week, about how, you know, it's not just, you know, a circle and a dot, and that's somebody's face. No, 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 no. You see the detail of this stuff actually happening from a distance, and I'm like, yep, see? Dunbar understands why this is important. And you also start to see a thing, the thing that Margaret was talking about as well. It's kind of like, the division of is everybody cool with this? Is everybody does everybody really okay with what's going on? And you see that there's actually two teams of GI Joes. This isn't a spoiler either, by the way. There is a team that's on Cybertron, and then there's a team that's on Earth. So they've kind of got both, literally both bases covered. But it's that back and forth of that team dynamic of how each one of them feels about what's going on that makes this interesting, and the action. Totally, completely in this book, even after the major event that happens, you get plenty of action. But this, just the mental state of two major characters in this arc is really big, big, important part of the story. So if you're listening to this show right now, you can send ice packs to Max Dunbar right now. Yeah. 
you know, find him on Twitter or wherever he may be. And yeah, because when, when she talked about all those things that he was doing, I'm just literally sat back and just thought, oh my God, this is Fico. This is, this is, this yeah. is, you know, uh, I'm writing a splash page and it's got all these things and <laughs> everything else. And it, it's just amazing, man, just yeah. the work that, that, that he can pump out. And, you know, uh, this series is just, again, you talk about that fracture and, you know, who's on what side and the agreement, the disagreements and stuff like that. I love that they did that. I love how, you know, in Revolution towards the end, we got more towards kind of like the spinoff books from Revolution. Everybody started to know whose side they were on, you know, mm-hmm. and who could they could work with and who they could trust for the most part. With this, man, when you can re kind of fracture those sides again and you can do it in a way where it doesn't feel cheap, that's a huge win. And that's something that you think that I think that they did in this book. Not only that, it's it's one of those things where it's one of those things where you have somebody that knows what buttons to push and knows that this is an, kind of an uneasy situation in general, and then you kind of push that even further to make it even more uneasy and let it crumble on itself. That's one of the brilliance of the writing in this book by Scott and Rodriguez is that they, it's like, you know, you push this button right here and it's going to make life much, much more difficult. So this should be no surprise. I was not surprised at all when I read this book and how amazing it was. Cause I knew it was going to be, this is an absolute pull for me. I'm just as excited for this. If not, maybe even a little bit more excited for this than I was for revolution, because now you know where the bar can be set and you see the bar start to be lifted higher and higher. Like Stephen Amell, climbing that salmon ladder i see them reaching the pinnacle of what this is going to be in future issues and i can't wait man god you and that salmon ladder man you can't stop thinking about it can you i'm gonna try it at some point <laughs> and i'm gonna and i'm gonna youtube the hell out of it too and the next video is gonna be you in the hospital in contraction <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much <laughs> well that's gonna do it for what we're reading but come next We took a visit to the Dark Tower. Find out what we thought about the movie version. Stay tuned. I am writer David Rodriguez, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. It's a movie that was 10 years in the making, and it's finally come out this summer. It's the Dark Tower, of course, the adaptation of the Stephen King novel with a lot of star power, and that might be exactly where it ended for me. Wait, this is a Stephen King Movie is a movie based on Stephen King, right? Yeah, as far as I know, yeah. Because I didn't get that vibe when I watched this movie. You know what vibe I got? I wonder if you thought the same way. Okay. I got a very post-apocalyptic, if you will, YA feel. Like yeah. Maze Runner, kind of stuff like that, kind of a feel to it. And not done as well as those either. No. That's the thing. No. And, and, and that's, the, that's the trouble with this, is that this, as you said, 10 years in the making, J.J. Abrams was set to direct this, he dropped out, Ron Howard was set to direct this, he dropped out but stayed on as a producer, and this is directed by Nicolaj Arcel, and again, when I watched this movie, I'm like, okay, this is Stephen King, this is, I would say, probably up there with The Shining, and it probably, like, what, he was in the midst, what, probably top three book series? Or books that he does. I mean, yeah, as far as as far as I can tell from what people have said, yes, absolutely. And I believe it's like an eight book series altogether. And this story, again, I'm watching this. I'm seeing everything that happens. It's your typical fish out of water. It's everything we saw with Last Action Hero and stuff like that. 
And it, it just felt very YA to me. It felt very paint-by-numbers, very bland in terms of storytelling because it felt very predictable where I knew where things were going to go with it in terms of, okay, this is how this – okay, this is this happens. Okay, he, this kid goes to this world. This kid you know looks for this. Oh, then this part happens. So it's very like easy to see mm-hmm. where this movie is going to go. And as you mentioned with Star Power, Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey – both amazing actors, but I, I'm I'm not blaming them at this at all. I think this is the script that was written by Jeff Pinker and Akiva Goldsman. They felt like they were going straight to the fucking motions with this. Right, and by the way, this will be spoiler-filled review, just in case you're not familiar with our reviews, and you're going to thank us later after that, by the way. And, I mean, you even, you even kind of look at the press videos and, and pictures that they've done for this, where, where they kind of just look like, yeah... We, we know, and, and I'm not saying they do, I'm not putting words in anybody's mouth here, but it's like, there was a reason this movie took 10 years, okay? Right. This is where they were going to go with this. It was like the universe's way of trying to tell them, guys, don't do this movie. Even the director that directed the damn movie said, I never thought they'd actually make this movie. And from the looks of everything that I saw when I was watching this hour and a half long, just dumpster fire was that they probably should have left it on the cutting room floor. Well, see, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think it was a dumpster fire. I think it's something that did not impress me, but overall it's something that if I was, like, bored out of my mind on a Friday night or a Saturday night and then it was on Netflix, I might just throw it on. But uh, this movie, in terms of the actors and just the, what they were doing in this, again, it felt very going through the motions and it just felt really emotionless for the most part and a big problem i had with the story was when when and and this is a big part of it when you have people die in the movie when you had jake's mom and stepdad get killed and you had the town full of people get killed by the man in blacks you know assassins and stuff like that this was a problem with the editing and the storytelling they did not build the relationships enough for me to give a fuck about these people dying. No, they didn't build anything. Yeah. In this entire didn't. movie. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing too is like again when when you're seeing people get killed like, oh look, you should be sad because these people are dying. This town is being murdered brutally by these people. And brutally I'm using the term brutally really loosely by the way. Yeah. Uh and I'm like, I don't care because no substance or background was given to these people Especially, and even the parents, it's like, and also I didn't care for the parents dying because I'm like, well, they were going to send their kid off to a fucking insane asylum. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm kind of like, I have no sympathy, really. Right. And then they tried to create false sympathy with the whole dynamic between Idris Elba's character and Tom Taylor's character as well, where they're like, oh, you lost your dad. I lost my dad, too. Oh, you saw that kind of thing. I'm like, that's cheap, man. Come on. Come on, yeah, I, I get that what you're trying to do here, and, and you know the Idris Elba's character Roland is like the hardened, you know, I don't like anybody yeah. kind of guy, and I'm just, I'm just in this for my revenge, you know, very Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven kind of thing, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just in it for the revenge sort of deal. No, 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 no. 
you, you've created no sense. Not only did they not create any sense of, of character or any kind of relationships whatsoever, they also created no sense one at all of any impending doom whatsoever for pretty much anyone or Earth for that matter. You never, I never thought for one second during this movie that the tower was going to fall. Not for one damn second. And, and that's about how long you got these... These demons everybody was supposed to be scared of. You get maybe, what, 30 seconds, maybe two minutes with these demons, and they weren't even that menacing. And you get, what, one, maybe two? And here's the thing, too, is you really did hit the nail on the head with that, is that there was no sense of threat. There's no sense of, oh, my God, the clock is running out. There's no sense of urgency in this movie. And in the movie, they mention... Well, what makes a tower fall? Oh, the thoughts of kids and people who have these psychic abilities and stuff like that. But they never really explain how. Or why. Yeah. 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 Nothing, it, it, nothing got explained. We it, don't know why the man in black is that, doing what he's and, doing. And let me just say this, too. For a movie called The Dark Tower, and I've read the books, listen... The tower is literally just there. It was like we talked about with Atomic right. Blonde last week, where like Berlin just felt like it was there in Atomic Blonde. The Dark Tower, it was just fucking there. Right. And like the only time it, they showed it or talked about it was, well, what does it do? What's its purpose? Well, it you know keeps the two worlds from joining and meeting up and stuff like that. You know, well, who constructed it? We don't talk about that. Well, why? You know, what else is its purpose outside of you know keeping these two worlds from you know not meeting? We're not going to talk about it. What the fuck? Like, it's just there. It's just an object. And I'm like, this should be right. the main fucking point. Here's the other thing that really bothered me. I, I, before, we, before we go anywhere else with that. Here's the other thing that really, really bothered me. When they're trying to explain that, oh, well, he, the man in black wants to do this because he wants the darkness to come in. And he wants to bring these demons into all of our worlds. And he's going to rule them. That, really? They're, these demons that have basically no mind of their own, from what I can tell are just going to be cool with that? They're just going to let Walter, who basically sounds like somebody's butcher's name, you're going to let Walter (laughs) rule this land of giant demons, and they're just going to be like, oh, Walter's here. We should follow Walter. No, let's not follow Walter. Let's eat Walter and do what we want. You just think they're going to just swoop in and be like, oh, okay, well, we're supposed to do what this guy tells us and destroy everything, and then we'll rule the world. No. How about no? And here's the thing, too. The problem, another problem with this movie, too, is I kind of had a hard time getting into it because we talked about Westworld a couple of weeks ago and we were doing our, our Comic Con recap. The sets in this movie look so soundstage and so fake in a sense. Westworld looked 10 times fucking better and that was on television. Right. Right. And let's talk about the action and the effects, too, which were. Awful! Oh my god, the CG was so bad. Awful! Like, like the, the only, I will say this, the only good thing about this movie, the only thing that I, think that I found that was entertaining, I've heard a lot of people say this too, and I agree with them, is when Roland reloads his guns. That's like the only exciting right. thing. But, and, that's, and that's a practical effect in a certain sense, you know what I mean? Is yeah. That, yeah, it's just a sped up version of, you know, put you, you know tossing bullets into, into a gun. So I get that, and yeah, that was cool. But I saw that in the trailer. Leslie, right. You want to talk about us talking about Atomic Blonde last week. Yeah, there was a lot of great action in Atomic Blonde, but a lot of it was in the trailer. I've seen that already. You didn't give me anything else 
that made me go, whoa, that was really awesome. So when I saw that, actually in the movie itself, I mean, it was still cool, but it's like, all right, I've seen that. What else have you got? That's what you have to do with them in any movie. You, you're going to give certain stuff in the trailer, but give me something else that makes me go, whoa. You know, and you, you even got to give Batman versus Superman credit for that because, yeah, they gave away some stuff in the trailer, but at least you still had that, that warehouse fight scene with Batman that made you go, damn, Ben they Affleck's still, a good Batman. I will, I will say as somebody who hated Batman versus Superman, they did give you that payoff. That, like, right. They did give you that fight that you were looking for, even though it ended in the way it did. But overall, it's like, and then you look at the the other characters, and it's those rat people in this. They looked fucking bad, dude. Like the CG in there, the way they looked, looked fucking terrible. Yeah, and and quite frankly, <laughs> here's the other thing. I want to go back to something you said about the parents, about how they're just gonna let their kid go to this insane asylum. And this was another thing that made me throw, literally throw my hands up in a theater through a pe- full of people and go, come on when they're going to, they're going to send him off to the sanatorium or whatever they're calling it. Right. right. So then they say, Oh, he's going to try to escape, which they were right. And then the driver jumps through the window and runs after your kid as a parent. Aren't you going, uh, excuse me. Oh. Why is your driver jumping out the window onto a rooftop chasing my son? Well, not only that, but the way that he exits, and, and I want right. to say this, and this is going to sound bad, but I mean, it is what it is. The guy doesn't look the most athletic, and no. he's like, and he's like clearing shit. Right. And you're like, okay, right? Like, now the stepdad know? was an asshole, so, but so I understand that. But as the the mom should be like, uh, clearly this isn't right. And here's the thing too. This is a problem too. When the mom is telling him, oh, they work with the school. It's like, so just because they work with the school, you're not going to do any other research on them? Yeah, you're, you're not going to jump on Google for like maybe Yelp right. for five seconds? Right. You're not going to see how legit they are and stuff like that. You know, it, I mean, here's the thing. It, it's just, uh, this is a problem, too. They do that whole fish out of water thing where they bring them into New York. And I'm like... You know, Roland's had a thing like, what is this? Oh, it's a hot dog. Oh, well, what breed? And it's like, oh, fuck, Wonder Woman did this ten times fucking better. Yeah. Oh, my God. They, yes. they, uh. Because it felt more genuine. Yes. And that has nothing to do with Idris Elba either, by the way. I, Again, I am, I am this sorry is all the writing. for them. This is all the writing. This I am is not sorry. Idris Elba's fault. I'm sorry for Idris Elba and for Matthew McConaughey. And for Tom Taylor to a certain extent. I am sorry for them because I realized they were just put put there to do a job and you want to try and do something cool with Stephen King. I totally understand. But I got to tell you, that must have been an ironclad contract because the second I read that script, I'd be like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, and I'm looking at this and it's just, when they're in New York, I'm, and my thing is this too, for fuck's sake, can we just have a movie where if they, if you're gonna do some sort of an invasion movie or an out of water movie, can you like do it in some other fucking city outside of like New York? You know, I mean, I mean, for Christ's sakes. And that's you, fine, but when when we do have that cli- what's supposed to be a climactic moment, where the clouds are, you know, you think they're gonna start descending on New York, and maybe the demons are gonna start, you know, you, you see them almost clawing their way out of these clouds to to attack. The- no, you don't. You never Ooh. do. You never do. Ooh, you want to know what I'm looking at right now? Is looking... it the box office numbers? Because those yes. look good either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so 
So take us take a guess what its production budget was. Sixty million. You're right on that. You know how much they made domestically? I'm gonna go nineteen million. Close. Nineteen and a half million domestically. Worldwide it only made twenty seven and a half. Wow. Yeah. And wow. and can I say something about that too? Staring at these numbers right now on my screen. They tease. They had the balls in a sense to kind of tease a kind of a sequel with what they do at the end where yeah. they go where you know they go back to this world and it's kind of like, oh, you're with me now, you know, kind of like I'm gonna be your guardian in a sense in terms of Roland. Oh you know, it's like, guys, you're not doing that. I even had a problem with that because you know why? Remember how hard it was for them to find the portal? In a in another scene, was like, well, we don't know where all where all the right. portals are in Keystone Earth. You you take a right, and it's at the friggin' Japanese restaurant that looks abandoned. There just happens to be a portal there. How convenient! I guess you knew where they all were all along, or you read the Book of Portals, or maybe it was on Google Earth. I don't know. How the hell did you know there was a portal there? <laughs> or you played the video game Portal. Either way, I don't know. I don't understand. This movie explained not a single thing. You know not sad? one thing. You know what's sad is that this movie was, the, the distributor was Sony. Sony's only good film so far this year was a movie that they didn't even fucking make. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. I mean, it, when I'm... Talking about Spider-Man, folks. <laughs> when I'm sitting in a theater and I'm legitimately wondering... I wonder if I could sneak into the emoji movie. That's not Whoa. a good sign. Oh man, when you when you, when you oh man when you when you walk out of a theater and you feel so disappointed and dirty that you want to go see the emoji movie. Oh dude, that's just that that's just sad. And I, I want to preface that statement by saying I don't. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make a point here. And that's exact that's just how how I felt and I actually posted on my Twitter not too long after I got out of this movie, and I truly mean this, anyone who thinks that Transformers of the Last Night was the worst movie of the summer hasn't seen The Dark Tower. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that offends anyone, including people that like Transformers the Last Night. Well, because here's I'm the thing. I'm sorry. With Transformers, you knew you were getting. You're like, okay, we've had four, five other movies, we know what the fuck we're getting this time around. So you know going in. We knew going in as much as we said the movie sucked. But with this, it's like, this was a thing where, and this is my big bitch with this too. Again, this is as, this has many, many books. This whole series is many, many books. To do this movie, they skipped the first two, which I, I understand. The first two were like a lot of introduction, a lot of, of stuff you know in the beginning but i understand that westworld's a thing now on hbo but this was a show this if this was like a show i think you know talk about netflix being 20 billion in the hole right now in terms of debt but if like hulu picked it up or amazon and made it a series like fine that would have been so much better than cramming it into a because that's the thing too is you're cr literally cramming eight fucking huge-ass books into an hour and 35. It's like, dude, the Harry Potter books had their own fucking movies. Right. Not only that, but think about this. The beginning of the movie, you feel like you're right in the middle of a movie. Yeah, I didn't feel like it had a beginning. So, And I'm not saying I was lost, because I, I didn't explain anything, so there was nothing to be lost for. What I'm saying is, is that you literally had no 
introduction at all. You're just in it right from the beginning. And some people might argue that that's a good thing. I argue that it's not because you have to make me care. And in order for me to care, you have to at least give me some sort of a backstory. So I think that we've talked about everything we could with the Dark Tower, just how, again, Matthew McConaughey, Idris Elba did the best they could with the script they were given. The script was fucking yeah. terrible. The directing was bad. The editing was felt rushed, and it felt like they were just trying to throw things together, and, and they were rushing through things. Let's put it this way. They were rushing so bad in this, fucking J.K. Simmons threw a goddamn chair at their heads. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 it's just fucking shit, man. But, I mean, overall, let's just give our, our ratings on this, and I, I'll have you go first. Well, I will say that uh, the popcorn was good. Uh, <laughs> had a soda. It was refreshing. Uh, even got myself some mozzarella sticks. They're they're very good as well, so I enjoyed that. Um, it was only an hour and a half. That was wonderful. Uh, appreciated that. Was able to get home early. You know, help put the help put the kid to bed. So that was that was nice. Everything else, I I I, I, my, I could actually feel my brain trying to erase it when I was walking out of the of the theater. If I had a neuralizer in my hand, I would have turned it around. Pointed it at myself and used it absolutely, and just accepted whatever story whoever was standing in front of me wanted to give me. That's kind of how I felt about this movie. Basically, I, I have I have nothing else to say. It made you leaving the theater going, "What is life anyway?" Right, exactly. And and I, we can only hope and pray that they do not make any more of these movies. I am giving this one face of my father that I forgot. Oh my! Wow, dude. I think I'm not gonna lie. I think. You know, 175 shows. We reviewed a lot of shit over so many shows. That, I think, is the lowest you've given anything. At least I laughed at least twice during Transformers. And their robots fighting can only be so bad. Wow, man. That's, that's Holy why. Shit. I, I think I refused to give a rating to Transformers. But now oh, that's I'm, right. You did. You now said, I'm, now okay. I'm rethinking it. Okay. Based right. on well, this, really. I'm rethinking it. I might actually give Transformers a two. I might not have given them enough credit after seeing The Dark Tower. <laughs> thank shit. you, thank you, Michael Bay, for not being the worst thing I saw this summer. Well, okay, so I will say this. It's not as bad, I think, as James makes it out to be. Uh, again, this is a movie where if I was at a party, you know, and it was playing in the background, that's one of those movies. It'd be one of those movies where you'd play in the background during a party. If somebody didn't want to talk or people just wanted to sit on the couch and watch something, it'd be there. This, again, it wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. It's just very disappointing. And, again, I did not get the Stephen King vibe I thought I was going to get. I got a very YA, young adult vibe. And that said, I think that, again, if this was a TV series instead of a movie, it would have been ten times better. Because, again, you could have used all the information in the books that you could have had your fingertips instead of having to cram things into an hour 35. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Lord of the Rings books were so thick and they were three hours long. I mean, you know, you're cramming these, these thick books, this whole series into an hour 35. It's not easy. And, it's, and of course you're going to get a movie like this. That's so bland and vanilla and very paint by numbers. And again, I want to say this, Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey just going through the motions tried their best, I think, with what they had, and they're both great actors. 
And, I mean, for Christ's sakes, if you watch, you know, Idris Elba, he's a gunslinger in this movie. If you watch Luther, where he plays a cop, holy shit, it's a great TV show. I believe BBC does it. So good. And these are they're great actors. But when you give them bad direction, you give them a very vanilla script, you're going to get what you're going to get. And, again, the best parts of this movie were when he's reloading his guns, he being Roland in this. The CG was bad. You know, the, the, the little town they were in looked like a giant soundstage. When Westworld, a TV show, you know, and Game of Thrones, stuff like that, has better set design than a fucking movie that costs $60 million. And I understand that Game of Thrones has big budgets and stuff like that, too. But still, it's just take some goddamn pride in this. You know, this felt like kind of something you talked on before where it, it took them 10 years to make this. So part of me thinks that they said, fuck it, we're just gonna, let's just get it out there. Let's just get this so we don't lose the rights to it or whatever. Let's just get it out there. It's got to be done. This felt very cheap. And as somebody who's a diehard Stephen King fan like I am, this was a total disappointment from my standpoint in terms of you know just what I expected to get. Again, I don't think it's as bad as James thought it was, but overall, again, this is a movie where if there's nothing on television, I would just throw it on and probably fall asleep to it. This is, I would say, 6 out of 10 black shirts that are buttoned down to the, unbuttoned to the navel. I will say this. You want me to pull a Strickland at another party? Put this on at your party, and I will pull a total Strickland at your party. Do not put this on at your party if you want me to go. It's not happening. <laughs> I will grab my coat. Wow, Maybe you a couple really, of other things out the door. You really fucking hate this movie. I do. I really do. I really do. And by comparison, anything that these two do next will be better. Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. Either Whatever they do next will be better than this. I guarantee it. Can I just say this? This was the first movie, I think, even though we just talked about how bad it was, this was the first movie where I wasn't hoping for the kid to die. That That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> but that's going to do it for our review of The Dark Tower. But coming up next, it's Nerd News. Find out what we're talking about coming up next. Hi, this is writer Mark Miller, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, nerds, it's that time when we both go around the interwebs for one last time, and we discuss... News. And our first story, well, you know, last week we talked about Netflix and how they were pretty much in the hole financially because for a lot of reasons. But, James, that didn't stop them from uh, making a huge acquisition. It was actually the first acquisition ever as a company. And they went big because they decided to purchase the rights to Mark Miller's Millar World that he runs with his wife, and that, I mean, you're talking about stuff like Reborn, you're talking about Hawk, Chrononaut, Jupiter's Legacy. There's been conflicting reports as to whether or not Kingsman and Kick-Ass are involved in this. We won't get into that, but, I mean, think about all the great stuff that Mark Miller's been a part of over the years. Now it is all in Netflix's hand. Financial terms, by the way, according to The Hollywood Reporter, not disclosed on this yet. Yeah, which I... Knowing Mark, it's and and what they paid for him, them being Netflix. It, I don't think Mark has to work ever again. Probably no, he's, he's good. <laughs> he can he can put the pen down and watch all the late night infomercials that he wants at this point. And if of course that's a nice little inside joke, go back and listen to our interview with Mark we did about last year, him and Rafa, and uh, he he talked about that when we interviewed him about Huck. But man, I'm excited for Mark. 
Uh, Netflix, this is a big move for them. This is kind of a surprising move, but not really at the same time because also this week it was announced that Disney is pulling their stuff from Netflix in 2019, which is no shocker because Disney being Disney and living in the cord-cutting world we live in now, they came out and said, hey, we're starting our own streaming service. So all the Star Wars, all the MCU stuff, more than likely the Netflix shows are going to end. Hey, we're going to end this and we're going to do our own thing. And again, this wasn't really a surprise. I'm kind of shocked that some people were like freaking out over this. How was this not the most absolutely obvious thing that's ever been announced in the history of not just nerd culture, but maybe the world? Disney has has a history, a decades-long history, of wanting to hang on to their own content. This is like the only company that would put their movies, quote, in the vault for years so you could not get your hands on them, watch them at all, unless you bought it right that second. Of course they're going to start their own streaming service because Disney doesn't like to share at all. They want to have their own stuff in their own hands, making their own money, and you know what? Who would blame them for that? I mean, speaking of the vault, this whole thing with Netflix, again, they're, they're pulling their stuff in 2019. So technically, this is like the streaming version of their vault. So you better get in there and watch your you know, Rogue One that's up there and stuff like that because odds are it's going to be all gone because – actually, you know, it is yeah, going to be all gone. It is going to be all gone. Because they said you know Star Wars is going to go, Marvel and stuff like that. So better enjoy it now. And here's, here's the thing that I kind of want to talk about a little bit pertaining to them starting their own streaming service. You know – Cord cutting is a thing, and I said it last week, I said it multiple times, I'm a cord cutter, and I think that right now what we're living in, because we're starting to see you know, CBS All Access and stuff they're doing with Star Trek, Disney moving into the streaming realm with their own stuff that you're going to pay a fee for, HBO, Star, stuff like that, I think we're seeing the beginning of a streaming bubble, being that how many channels and in, in, in uh, companies are going to be going their own streaming route. Now, I know sci-fi can stream their stuff on their website with ads, but the thing is, is what if, you know, NBC or ABC or whomever, I know ABC's Disney, but still just go with me on this, and they say, hey, we're going to have our own all-access stuff, and that's going to be, just say, $10 a month. So I think the bubble is going to grow because if we start we see we start seeing that because people for many years have wanted a la carte stuff when it comes to cable mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So if we see NBC and FX and Fox and all these other stations start to do their own, hey, pay this fee, you know, we'll and we'll have you stream our stuff. And the reason why I think this is going to happen with a lot of the channels, if not all of them, is because. Now, with certain websites, for example, AMC is one, where when it comes to shows, at least certain shows, uh, you cannot watch them without, you know, say, oh, you can stream on our website, but you need to have your cable subscription number and stuff like that. Well, people are cutting the cords, so odds are their website traffic is going down. And this is creating that bubble because if you think about it, if you're spending $100, I'm I'm being generous, $100 a month on... 200 plus channels or whatever, then next thing you know, you're saying, you know what? I want streaming. And 
you have a hundred plus channels going ten dollars a month, that's you know you're spending a lot for very little if you really think about well, it. Well, guess what? You're going to be spending a lot if you keep buying all these streaming services too. And that's my point. How how long before? Everybody decides to abandon ship and everybody says they want a la carte. Well, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Look how much it's going to be adding up already, especially if you're going to want Netflix and Hulu and CBS and this new Disney service and the new DC streaming service that was announced not too long ago. And IDW's got their own streaming service. And HBO and Showtime and Stars. These are all at least $10 a month. And I think I've already rattled off about 10. There's a hundred bucks. And how many channels does that give you? Ten. Right. Think about that for a second. And people say, well, oh, well, I don't watch this. I don't watch that. You don't now. But guess what? Times change and you might want it. And guess what? If it goes a la carte, there's another ten bucks. And here's the thing, too, is you got to think about this as well. Is if you are a consumer, I'm talking, of course, to our listeners. If you're a consumer and say, for instance, you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then you're going to watch Inhumans. Those are the only two ABC shows you watch. Are you willing to pay $10 a month over 12 months for two shows? And the scrutiny goes up on those shows, I think, at that point. Because if that's all you're buying it for, you see, like, let's say Inhumans is the dumpster fire that everybody seems to think it is. If that show isn't good, then you're only paying that money to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Come on. Nobody's going to do that for one show. Okay. And again, I understand that the two shows I rattled off are ABC and are likely to be part of the Disney streaming service. But again, I was just using them as it's examples. A it's a point. It's a point. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, Disney overall, would I think about purchasing their streaming service? It depends on how much they want. If it's like 10 bucks a month, cause I already <laughs> spend. It's not going to be 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no it, way in hell. If it's, if it's like 30, man, I'm going to pass because it's going to be 15 at least. At I mean, least. 15's, I mean, 15 is not bad because you think about the, how long that Disney's themselves have been around. So you get all those movies and stuff like that and TV shows and animated shows as well. So it's kind of a good pay, I would think. You I'm, know, I think it'd be, I think it'd be decent. If it's ten fifteen, it's worth it because I have Hulu, Showtime, Stars, and uh, you know HBO and Netflix, and I'm paying about forty. So if, you know, another. So if I'm paying fifty five a month for just entertainment, I don't think that's a bad thing. If I was to make a guess right now, I would say nineteen ninety nine a month is mm-hmm. what, what we're looking at. Looking at nineteen ninety nine a month, just knowing Disney, and that's just an initial price point. We're not even talking about because everything goes up a little, so yeah. it won't be too long before it's twenty five, and then you're looking around and going, "What the hell?" Even if you're getting a lot of stuff, like with with Netflix, you're getting a lot of stuff for the money. I would never argue that in a million years because you really are. But once these prices start to creep up for any streaming streaming service, I don't care what it is, at what point do you have to look at your budget, especially as a cord cutter, and go, I don't know. So streaming could have done one of two things. It could have either killed cable television or it could revive cable television. And they better be careful because of that bubble you mentioned that they don't go the revival route because that could happen. It really, really could. You know, speaking of something else that did happen, we got our first look at Cable. Of course, he's going to be in Deadpool 2, played by Josh Brolin. And man, I'm just going to say this: I love it. Like, I love that you know his arm is, looks more robotic than you know the techno organic virus that he pretty much has and stuff like that. 
which is pretty cool because it shows it maybe hasn't taken its effect yet. But overall, I'm pretty I'm pretty psyched about this. I like this. I've never seen Twitter be more excited about pouches in my life. Well, see, that's the thing too. Is that you have people that are like, yeah, of course, had the fans that guys. I know you're just, you're out there, and ladies, I know you're out there, but for God's sakes. When you're there, there are people like, well, it's not comic book accurate. He needs to have like big ass shoulder pads and like a thousand pouches. And uh, God, people, please, like, like Jesus Christ, you know, no. <laughs> he has pouches. Relax, okay? They gave him pouches. Plus, how much stuff do you want this guy to carry in this movie? You know, I mean, it's like, come on. Plus, this is the first iteration of cable that doesn't mean it can't evolve into some of these things you know you know god forbid you give this character or any character in any comic book adaptation time to evolve into something else no let's give everybody what they want right away and not let a character evolve into something we don't know that the big shoulder pad thing isn't going to happen we don't know that you know there isn't going to be a more t- more metallic aspect at some point because of a good reason Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but at least give the character time to evolve, and I'm going to say it again for the thousandth time. Can we get this character on the screen first before we overreact to stuff? Yeah, I'm talking to you, everybody that freaked out about Domino last week. You, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm just excited about it. I'm excited to see Cable and, and Deadpool interact with one another on screen, how that's going to be awesome. I think Brolin was the terrific you know, casting no for doubt. it because you have Ryan Reynolds, who's this really awesome comedic actor who was really into into Deadpool and just gives himself to the role. And you have this really stern, serious, you know, character and jo- an actor in Josh Brolin. You know, I'm I'm just really really excited for it, man. And, and Brolin plays the asshole really really well. Oh yeah. So he to make him asshole. Cable, yeah, that's 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 a perfect choice because he's he's had characters in the past where he's had to play the asshole, and he really did a good job. So I think that that was kind of a factor in this casting for sure. And now the look is great. Now here's a question: If you look really close, you see he has a teddy bear attached to his belt. Do you think that we're going to get a scene? Where the teddy bear and the unicorn become one? I think I think that that is very much on the table. And if it's, <laughs> if, it's if it's not, I'm kind of disappointed. Just get out the big rubber masturbating shoes and ready to go. Yeah, I, th- I think that that could absolutely happen. It's like the size of a KFC spork, <laughs> <laughs> but it feels huge in his hand. <laughs> oh yay! <laughs> And our final story, James, we're going to head, you know, from the Netflix, Disney, Marvel realm, we're going to head to the DC realm. And I got to tell you, man, DC knows how to keep their people happy. Yeah, not just because of the big, you know, the the talent, the new talent showcase that they just announced. And, of course, congrats to Mags Visaggio and Philip Kennedy Johnson and all the people that are going to be involved in that program. That just more young talent going to D.C., but keeping their talent happy in the Dark Matter books because Dan Didio was just talking not too long ago to ICV2 talking about Dark Matter. And the thing that we didn't expect was that it looks like there's going to be some creator-owned and equity positions for some of these new characters that are going to be created here by some of these big-name talents, and that's a smart move by DC. Yeah, in an interview he did with ICV2, Didio said, quote, 
all these talents are participating in the books, whether that's creator-owned or taking equity positions. They have vested value in participating and helping creating this. If these books win, we all win, which is, I think, the fairest way to approach anything, close quote. That's smart, man, because not only do you, again, do you lock in that talent because we saw what they did with Rebirth, where they pretty much just said, okay, everybody's working on Rebirth, we're locking you in, Mm -hmm. and that's the end of the story, which was smart. Because, again, you get that creativity in there, but you also get that consistency as well with the storytelling and just the various books and projects that people like Dan Abnett, Joshua Williamson, Tom King, all these people are working on. And, you know, I'm just excited about this because DC is doing something that, again, we you know, talk about Marvel. We haven't talked about Marvel really in terms of comics in a long time, but Marvel doesn't really change things up. I haven't really seen anything where Marvel brings in new talent, where we just see that they just reshuffle the deck and that's pretty much it. Whereas DC is like, hey, let's bring in a Mags Asagio. Let's bring in, you know, Tom King. Let's bring in Dan Abnett, all these, you know, writers and stuff like that that really haven't done our books before. Maybe have done them, but have done smaller properties or have done stuff in Vertigo and let's give them these big name titles and let's give them this equity and let's give them these things. And it's really a great thing because DC is just pumping out a lot of great stuff between the Dark Matter stuff, the DC Metal that's going on right now. They're getting ready to kick that off even more. And again, Rebirth is just kicking ass. Yeah, and I mean, there, apparently there's going to be a lot of new characters that are brought in by this Dark Matter storyline. And that's kind of one of the reasons that, that they're doing this. And I mean, it even attracted somebody like Jeff Lemire to come back and write the Terrifics. So, and, and again, if Jeff Lemire sees, you know, creator-owned or equity, that's why he's gone to places like uh, IDW and to Dark Horse and to Image to a certain respect. Yeah. So he's able to have that creator-owned stuff. And if you can have that under the DC umbrella, of course, we don't know the terms of this, but if it was enticing enough to draw somebody like Jeff Lemire back who's wanted to kind of shy away from the big two for a while, that should tell you something. Yeah, man. So I'm really excited about this. You know, DC, again, showing how much they care for their writers and stuff like that. I'm not saying that Marvel doesn't, but it's just a lot of the stories that are coming out in terms of just new talent and stuff like that, you know, outside of the smaller publishers is DC. Mm -hmm. And it's really awesome just to see, man. So it's a really exciting time for not only the people working on the books, but also, you know, us who read them. Thank you, DC, for looking ahead, basically, I think is, is the gist of it. Thank you for not looking at 2017. Thank you for looking ahead to, like, 2020, 2021, stuff like that, because, you know, when certain writers and creative teams go away, they're already lining up their next creative teams. And, and I mean, you want to stay in business for a while and be successful? That's how you do it. Exactly, man. That's going to do it for Nerd News Become Next. This, of course, being my last show I want to go out with a bang, and we are, and we're going to be talking about my favorite memories and our favorite memories and your favorite memories over the past three and a half plus years, so don't go away because we're going to talk about all the great things we've done here before I leave for Los Angeles here on the Down Nerdy Podcast. This is comic book writer and co-creator of Deadpool, Fabian Niciesa, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, normally this is when we'd introduce you to our guests and talk about something really cool that's coming out, movie, TV show, what have you, but we told you it was a historic show, and if you listened to last week's show, you know why, because this, buddy, this is it. This is your last show, man. You're moving to California. Yeah, man. Uh, fuck, I promised myself I wasn't going to cry. Fuck. No, you, no, you didn't. You did <laughs> <No>. not. <laughs> as, much as, I, as much as I talk about crying on the show, this is the one time where I literally am trying to hold it in. Um... 
Yeah, man. Uh, I'm moving to California. I'm just say I'm moving back to the California, back to Los Angeles, and uh, you know, 175 shows, man. It's you know, we were talking about when my last show is going to be, and, and I got, and I'll tell you, I want to say this right now too, so people will understand. The reason why I am leaving is not just because I'm moving to California. James and I tried to come up with many scenarios. And I will say this. This move has been in play since really last year, towards yeah, the end of last year. I, I want people to know that, too, that, that I have known about this for a long time time this is not something that was sprung on me we we discussed this in great length you know we we, we talked about this and it, this is something i've known about for a while because a couple of people have asked me that too so i want i want to make sure that that's out there that everybody knows that i i knew about this well in advance yeah and, and the thing is so i let so james has known for months about this and i told him you know i said hey man i'm i'm thinking about possibly moving to california i want to see if i can get something you know stuff like that and I, I want to say this too, that so people understand. James actually was kind of part of the reason why I'm moving to California because, you know, he talked about, hey man, whenever you're, you're the happiest is when you're talking about, you know, I used to live in California, this happened and that and stuff like that, and just doing this show for so many years and just meeting people we have and stuff like that, and you know. In life, you know, I'm 28. James, of course, is in his 30s, so he's, of course, been here on Earth longer than I have. There comes a time in your life where you you want that next jump in your in your career, and you and you you know you're unhappy about certain things, and you want to see you know the continuation go forward. And Los Angeles, for me, you know, I know a lot of people there, and both professionally and personally, and stuff like that, and. For me, I, I you know when I was like when I was younger, you know I went I went to move in lot to Los Angeles. I interned there in 2011. I interned at a, a major radio station there, and uh, you know I told my parents that this is after I moved to Virginia back in 2013. I said you know I feel like this might not be it for me. I feel like I have one more move for in my body, and when I make that move, it's going to be to a major city. I just don't know where or when. And I just want people to know, too, that, as I said, the reason why I'm leaving is not just because I'm moving. James and I have thought of, I talked about this last week a little bit at the end of the show. James and I, when I announced to him, hey, man, I'm, I'm thinking about moving to Los Angeles, and then it became to, hey, I'm moving to Los Angeles, we hammered out for days and weeks just ideas of, okay, what capacity could you stay on in? you know, depending on what you're going to be doing out there. And I can't talk about what I'm going to be doing out there, so please stop asking me. <laughs> Everybody is like, hey, what are you going to be doing out there? I, I can't say. You'll know um, soon enough. Let's yeah, you'll know soon way. enough. Uh, it's very exciting either way. So, you know, we, we thought of scenarios like, okay, well, could you maybe not be part of the show, but maybe do your writing still? Could you Maybe be on the show but not do the, your writing or, or, you know, maybe James takes over social media and you do the show and stuff like that. We were coming up with different scenarios, but we all came up with the same ending with all these scenarios. And that is the workload, which literally for people who don't know, you know, people who do listen to this and do have podcasts of their own, 
it is a grind, not just every week, but just every hour of every uh-huh. day. This is a grind. You know, James is constantly emailing people for guests and stuff like that. He's doing other things as well with the show. Meanwhile, I'm working social media. I'm making sure tweets go up and links to the show go up every hour. I got to make sure stories go up every hour on the weekends, every other hour. So I'm scouring the internet. I'm Googling my ass off, you know, and it's an all day affair. Not to mention I work another job as well. So that's just, I'm literally working like t- almost 24 hours. I just say we both are basically. And it's just, it's taxing. It's a lot. And then with my new thing I'm going to be doing in California, there's just not enough time. And not only that, but there's a time difference where, you know, of course, California, West Coast, three hours behind. So a lot of our interviews are done and recorded during the afternoon. So James says, hey, I got this person. Well, we're going to be interviewing him at three or her at three. I got to be like, man, I'm at work. I got this thing and, you know, I got this stuff. And I also have some other things I'm doing as well, professionally and personally, that just I just don't have the time for to do the show. And it sucks because, you know, we I've done a show with James for three and a half years and it's been an amazing ride. And it's just it came down to a scheduling thing. So I want people when people ask, well, you know, why are you leaving stuff like that? It's scheduling. You know, if there was if there was a chance where I could be like, Hey man, you know if, if we had people that could do social media and stuff like that, where it was just James and I, all we had to do was record the show. I would still be doing the show because, like, hey, all we had to do is do the show. We don't have to worry about social media or booking or anything like that. We just sit down in the studio and we do our show, and that's it. We don't have to worry about anything else. But that's not the case. So when you're pouring all these hours into it, and then you got you know stuff in my personal life, and I got stuff you know uh, you know with, with professionally my career. There's just not a lot. And I will say this, I'm still going to be writing and my comic book reviews are not going to be going away. I'm going to be starting my own blog. It's going to be, again, every Wednesday, stuff's going to go up. You know, I already decided on the name. Uh, I'm going to be releasing it in October. It's going to be called uh, of the Mo- uh, Mouth of the Merc. And so that's what's going to be called. It's going to be just a weekly blog because, again, I talk about the scheduling, just how taxing it is. But... For me, it's not. It doesn't take a lot to write three paragraphs on a book that I read, and plus, people like reading my thoughts on comics, so I want to still be able to do that. And you know, it's just what can I say, man? It's three and a half plus years we've been doing this, and you know, it, it, this is the last episode, and it's it's coming to an end. And um, you know, it's just it's it's fucking tough. You know, it's it's really, really tough. Yeah, but I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that there's just sometimes it comes a time in your life where you've just got to go for it. And that's exactly what you're doing. And I think that people should applaud you for that as, as I've told we've I've, of course I've said this off the air many times you know and I, I applaud you for that you feel like this is something you've got to do and and I'm certainly not going to be the one that stands you right if anything I want to be the one that's out there you know champion for you you know just going out there and doing it and you know we, we were talking about this off the air too about how you know maybe it's next year two years from now or whatever maybe we're both at San Diego Comic-Con you know you sit down for a nice dinner or something and you're like all right 
talk about all the cool things that have gone on for you this year. You go first, and you know you kind of trade stories and stuff like that. And that's the moment that's going to happen at some point. And you know, we'll, once we figure out what Nick's going to be doing, and like he said, he'll be announcing that. And you, you just be patient now. He's going to tell you what's going on because he he is. And you know, anytime you know, he talked about the blog. That's definitely happening. There's always going to be a link. To Nick's blog on on our website, so don't worry about that. If you're worried about where you're gonna find it, don't worry. There's the, we've got the about us section; it'll still be up there. I mean, the guy still, you know, we founded this thing three and a half years ago. It's he's not just gonna disappear off the face of the earth <laughs> on you. Well, I, I will make sure that that I will let you guys know what's going on with Nick. And and the best way I can think to to honor the last three and a half years is by continuing to do this. And putting my heart and soul into it and making sure that it reaches the level that we always wanted it to reach. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. So, yeah, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to do everything that we've been doing now. And, you know, there might be some things that there might be some things that are a little different with Nick gone. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But that this the only thing I can think to do is to just keep hammering away at the show, because the last thing I want is for Nick to walk away and see this thing go away completely. That's not going to happen. I'm going to make damn sure it doesn't. Oh, God. <laughs> This is what happens when you pour your heart and soul into something, guys. And, 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 part, and part of this is also, you know, this allows you to get to where you want to be in life. And that's where, that's where Nick's at right now. I, I think he'd agree with that. I just want to say this. For James said, he's going to keep this thing going for as long as, you know, he can. He wants this thing to reach the heights that we know that this thing can be. You know, I commend him for that. I think anybody when somebody, especially someone who's been so, you know, we started this together. And when somebody who's so vital to a team walks away well, even if it was you know me walking away from something which I'm doing, or vice versa, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of power, you know, a lot of just stress that's going to be tacked on. And for James to, you know, continue this just shows how dedicated he is to not only his craft not only to this brand that we've created and have championed for the past three and a half years, it, it shows a lot of just his, his love for you, the listeners and, and, our, and our fans out there. Because again, anybody, when somebody of a team or whoever leaves or something happens and that gets in, it's a lot more work to be put on their shoulders. Anybody would say I'm done and, and could pack up. But not James. That's not who he is. You know, I, 
this is a story about James and I. We've talked about this a while back on a previous show, but James and I met about, well, yeah, about three and a half, a little over four years ago, and we work at the same place uh, outside of this, this podcast. And I had been a part of various podcasts. It was mostly just me hosting them on my own, and they're mostly sports-related, and I would get a couple of episodes, and I would be dedicated to it, but then I would just stop. And a big part of that is because, again, it's just so much work when you really want something to take off, and you're don't really and you doing it by yourself. It's a lot to ask of you. And so, James, I, I saw that he was a nerd, he was in a nerd culture, and he, he, you know, we talked about this idea of starting a podcast together, and months had passed, and, uh, you know, I had texted him one night. I said, hey, man, are you interested in still doing this thing, this, this project with me? And he said, of course. And he goes, you know, and so the next thing I know, we, we did our, our famed first episode. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I still can't hear that with a straight face. I just can't. I just can't. Oh, it was a doozy. Trust us. It's never going anywhere either, by the way. No, man. And, um, you know, and we grew this thing. And this is something that I'm so proud that I can tell people when I go to L.A. and, you know, I'm working where I'm going to be working and stuff like that. And this is something that I can tell, you know, my kids and, and, and stuff like that. You know, I don't have kids when I do later on in life. It's, you know, to to everybody wants to be their own boss. Everybody wants to create something special. To be able to tell people, hey, I started a podcast. And anybody can start a podcast. But the thing is, we started off at the very earliest, three and a half years ago, and we were getting like five to ten listens mm-hmm. a week. Not a day, not a minute, not an hour, a week. Right. And we were so excited about that. We're like, oh my God, we got ten people, you know, because people listen. And then we were literally going around the mall. We were going around Virginia Beach where we live, and we were handing out business cards to people. You know, We were saying, hey, we have this podcast. We were very grassroots. We built this thing literally from the ground up. And then 10 turned to 20, 20 turned to 70, 70 turned to 100, 100 turned into 500. And now we're averaging 10,000 plus per episode a week, mm-hmm. 20,000 a week, you know, and – and to tell people that not only did we do that, but in three and a half years, 175 episodes, we amassed over 1 million total listens yep. is amazing. I mean, when I tell people that, their eyes are like, holy shit, really? And it, and it is. And that's the thing, man. When people got to realize is that anybody can start a podcast, which is true, but are you willing to put in the work and, and make it? the best it can be. Now there are people who do podcasts and they just do it for a hobby and that's it. And that's fine. But if you're somebody who is like, man, I want to make money off this or I want to be my own boss. Or I want to do this. or I want to be, you know, the next nerdist or whatever, or next down nerdy. You have to literally sink yourself and your time and your effort into this project. Uh-huh. You have to start your social media page. You have to be dedicated to it. You have to, Build a team, whether it's you and one person or many people. Build a team of committed people, and then just thrive, you know, strive to reach that pinnacle and, and and reach that hurdle. And I will say this: I could not have asked for a better 
for a better partner in this because not only did shit it's happening again <laughs> well i mean it's it's tough not, man not not only did james help me build something special he helped me he saved my life he saved my life because i was at a low point in my life my career was going nowhere and <laughs> he <laughs> said yes when he could have said no he trusted me. He believed in me. And I was just at a low point. And um, he, he saved my life. And he got me back in the comics. And he got me, you know, I, fuck. Um, he, he, he has gone above and beyond. You know, I never really had a brother growing up. Um, I mean, I had uh, I have a stepsister, but we were just different in age. But you know, I never really had somebody who, growing up, had the same interests as me from a family standpoint. Um, and, and James, you are the closest thing I will ever have to a brother. So thank you so much for everything you've given me over the past three and a half years. Thanks for always being supportive. You know when there. Are some high, you know, in life you have different tides and, and highs and lows. And when I had my lows, he, when a lot of people have said, you need to still work on this. He said, Hey man, take some time, go enjoy your family, do whatever, you know, it'll be here when you get back. And, you know, not a lot of people have said yes. A lot of people have been upset because they've been like, Oh great. Now I got to take on all the responsibilities while you, whatever he, he, he understood and, uh, dude, thank you so much for everything you've done for me for the past three and a half years, man, to, to be able to talk, just even be able to talk to somebody every day about nerd stuff and, and news articles and, and just, Hey, did you see this movie? You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a blessing, man. Like you are one of the top blessings in my life. And, um, even though I'm going to be living on the opposite coast, you're always my brother. You'll always be my friend. I will always love you, man. And, uh, thank you for everything, dude. I, I appreciate it. Well, you don't have to thank me, but you're welcome. And, and I will say that from my perspective, I mean, it is one of those things where, I mean, that goes both ways, that, that he could have said no as well. And and throughout this show, if anybody's been listening from the beginning, first of all, thank you. Because, I mean, for Nick and myself, that just just having just knowing that somebody cares enough to listen to us prattle on about comics and movies and nerd news stories, when you, when you have so many other choices, uh, we, we appreciate that more than I think anything else since doing this. So, so thank you if you've been around for that. But I mean, people know that changes have gone on in my life. I mean, since we started the show, I mean, I've, I've, I've had a kid since then. I mean, I had a kid on the show kind of thing (laughs) and, and, uh, you know, the responsibilities changed in my life and, and again, and the same goes, I mean, it's one of those things where once stuff started changing in my life, there's something, there's a, a lesser person would have said, you know what? I don't have time for this. Screw this guy. 
I'm going to go do anything else and, and not do this. But, but Nick didn't do that. And, and anytime I needed, I needed Nick to do something or if, or if I needed a favor or if anything just kind of just didn't jive with my schedule, he was, he was always there to say, you know what, dude, you just take care of your family, do, do that, you know, spend time with your kid because he knows how important that is to me. And, and that's just the thing. You, you, didn't, you didn't build the show so much as we built the bond. Yeah. And, and that's important. And, and that's the thing that's going to be missed the most is that is that that's never going to go away because we're not just going to stop talking to each other, like you said. Right. Right? <laughs> but but there, but there is a but there is a bond there, too. And that and that's something that, that will definitely that will definitely be different from the from the show standpoint going forward. It's something that we built over the years, whether it be, you know, moments that we had at cons together, you know, just 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 doing different conventions and stuff like that or uh, the random appearances that we had at, at like video game places in, in the very beginning, like you said, handing out cards and, you know, giving away coupons with business cards on them yeah. and stuff like that. It was this the kind of stuff that we did in the beginning and to see it go to to the way that it has now i mean you hope that it's always going to get there but without 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 the commitment that that we had in the, in the beginning that from the both of us i i think that this is where we always wanted it to be and to know that we got to 1 million listens is is absolutely incredible and something i was really hoping when i knew that this was going to happen that we would <laughs> able to get to a, a million listens so i'm and thank you guys for that and and like Nick said, we're always going to be brothers. You know, that's it's just the bottom line. And, and, and I just I can't wait to see. I think that it, it's hard for me to be sad because I'm sad that he's leaving, but it's not like he's dying. He's not going anywhere. And, 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 and I'm so it's it's hard for me. It's hard for me because I'm so excited for knowing what what he's going to be, you know, and that may sound cheesy to some people. But but I know how dedicated he is in absolutely everything he does and he will not stop until he gets absolutely everything that he wants in life and that's what I want for him I want for him to get to that point where he's at that moment and he's right there and he can text me and say dude I'm there I'm happy I'm there I've got everything that I want and that is what I want for him more than anything and I know that that's what he's going to do and and he's going to be sorely missed for sure but I can tell you right now that that I will honor the hell out of him by making sure that this goes even further than it is now. And that, and that goes double for you guys as well. I know that you're going to help out with that and hopefully you'll stick around and, and I love you, man. And don't worry. She's going to be, she's going to be in good hands. Trust me. She's going to be in good hands. Yeah, man. And it is the thing too, dude, it's just, you know, you talk about just the bond that we've built and, you know, on my personal account um on social media I, I talked about you know how james and i are he's my affleck man i'm damon he's affleck you know it's it, this isn't again as he said i'm not dying i'm not like going away yeah, this isn't like a of, falling out or anything right. yeah no this is the end of goodwill hunting where james goes and knocks on my door and i'm not home like that's what it is that's kind of exactly what it is believe it or not that's <laughs> exactly what it is in a certain sense that that is what it is it's just that when when you build a bond with someone you know them really well and you know when they just need to do what they need to do and and that's where nick is at he there's this is something he has to do and he will absolutely be missed 
but this is just know that this is something that he has to do. And and I'm more excited, just like Affleck. I'm more excited for him than than anything else. That's why it's so hard for me to be sad because I'm just so excited for what I know that this is what he wants. All the things that are coming from him, I know more than you guys, so ha. So <laughs> the, the, <laughs> thing, the things that I know that are coming from him just, just have me so excited. That's why it's so hard for me to be sad because I'm just so stoked for him. And, and this is what – anything you ever want from brothers, you just want them to, to, to be happy and to, to have everything that they want. And that's what's going to happen for him, and that's why I'm excited. And, and, here, and here's the thing too is that, you know – before I, I start, you know, thank other people and stuff like that, I, I just want to say while we're still talking about just us in general, James and I, you know, like I said, man, he's he's always, you've always been there for me, and you you know, whenever I need somebody to talk to, where I was at my high, where I was up, you see my you see me my highest, you see me at my lowest, and you've always been there, every level, you've been you you know every <laughs> every bright smile to every ugly cry, man, you've you've been there for me and. You, you've, you've helped me get through stuff and, you know, I could text you anytime. I know I still can to this day of, hey, man, I need some advice or whatever. And you would give it to me because you, you'd be that older brother. And it's going to, I'm not going to lie, it's going to feel weird going to next week. And it's going to be a, a Thursday when we record and, you know, or we do an interview earlier in the week. And I'm going to be like, hey, man, here's what we can talk about. Oh, that's right. You know, and it's yeah. gonna feel weird. It's gonna feel extremely weird. Uh, but I just also want to say this too. You know, we talked about just how this thing has grown, and you know, we talked about going from you know fifty listens to thousands, and going from handing out coupons with our you know business cards on them to not having to do that anymore. Uh, you know. I just want to say that you want to talk about going out on top, you know, in sports, people retire after winning a championship and stuff like that. And for me, in a sense, you know, I'm not retiring from broadcasting really or anything like that, but you know, it's just from the show and retiring from the show, but I'm doing it on top. I'm doing it at a time where, as James pointed out, and I pointed out, we're sur- we've more than surpassed a million total listens and that's not including the downloads. So when you include the downloads, probably like two, maybe three million in there. We talk about the conventions we've covered from Tywar Comic Con, which started out as a, a, a Comic Con inside of a ballroom of a hotel, to the biggest con in, in all of Virginia, to covering Awesome Con in 2016 in Washington, D.C., the first time we ever gone out of state for a Comic Con, just walking that floor and getting that experience and James and I can attest that we will always have, no matter how far we live away from each other, we'll always have midnight pizza and 4 a.m. fire alarms yep. at, the, uh, yep. at the hotel we were staying at. That happened. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, then a uh, 12-pack of warm Pepsi, but it was still delicious yep. either way. That's right. But overall, though, you know, to go out on top with not just a million listens, but also, as we said a couple weeks ago, covering San Diego Comic-Con. Now, we did it every year but this was the first year we were there. Now, I did not go for various reasons, uh, mostly financial. Now you know why. Now uh-huh. you know why. <laughs> now you know why I couldn't go. Uh, it was either move, you know, start my new life or, uh, you know, go to Comic-Con. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, and so so now you know why I couldn't go. Uh, Got to save that money. 
So and you, know, you you got you got you guys got to give him credit for that because a lesser mature person would have said I want to go to Comic Con, but but to to know that he's he was willing to make that sacrifice and think so long term, I don't think enough people are, have given him credit for that, that that have already known. So I think that that he deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that because he absolutely could have made what I mean I guess arguably would be, would have been the wrong decision for him oh, long yeah. term. Oh um, yeah. I, but but he decided to make a better decision for his long-term life, and not enough people do that. So I think he needs to, to get a lot of credit for that. And, uh, again, just you know, covering San Diego and to, to the uh, way that we did and the fulfillment that we did and covering other things, E3 and stuff like that. Yep. And, you know, we really, I think, not only built the bond as broadcasters, we not only built the brand really here at Down Nerdy, I think we also – built up talents that we had and we built up skills that we had we refined them over the years and i you know you go back to the first episode where james and i again every first episode is not going to be the best and you know we're working out our chemistry and stuff like that and then episode two we start rolling a little bit and then here at 175 you know i'm crying for the 100 time you know 100 show in a row basically (laughs) and (laughs) <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah you know but uh i mean overall just it's just been an amazing ride and you know i, I want to thank some people i want to you know i thank james stuff like that but uh, i want to start off by just thanking my parents first and foremost uh who have supported me since day one and you know again james and i there are some things we wanted to achieve with this that we couldn't achieve before I left, but I know he's going to do so when I leave, uh, and that makes me really happy. But my parents have been supporting me since day one, and I got to tell you, any parent can tell their kid, you know, oh, that's nice what you're doing, stuff like that. But my parents, every day, it's, hey, you're working on the podcast. Who are you having this week on the show? Oh, I listened to the show last week, and it, you know, here's what my thoughts. I mean – I'll say this, like my mom like would listen to a show and she'd be like, yeah, I didn't like when you said this and I think that you should have said that. And like she was critiquing, like they would like they would critique. Like I – and then I got like a text from my mom the other day, like this is like a while back and she's like, let's do your show. Do you have to say fuck a lot? Like do you really have to? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, she's like, like, do you really have to swear? And so it's – you know, that, that mom thing, and but my, my dad's been supportive of me. You know, he's asking, you know, who are you doing? This? You know, and that's the thing, too, is, like, my parents were in the comics. People don't know. And my dad, you know, every Sunday morning waking up, man, I, he would read the comic strips with me. And he, he gave me – he actually gave me my first comic uh, back in the day. It was a uh, Mother Goose and Grimm booklet. It was I still have it. And it's – uh, like a paperback, and it has all the black and white comics in it, and it's amazing. And so my dad and my mom got me into comics, and got me into, my mom got me into Star Wars. I was in Borders when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, and I was starting to get into, uh, you know, nonfiction or, you know, books, of course, without pictures in them. And because my parents instilled the, you know, willingness in me to read, and they showed me the importance of reading. You know, I was reading, I don't mean to brag, but when I was eight years old, I was reading at a ninth grade level because I was, you know, when I was tested for school, so they'd be like, oh my God, his reading's at a ninth grade level. And 
And it's because every day for an hour, my parents had me read. And, you know, whether it was a book or a comic or whatever, you know, it could be X-Men one day. It could be Star Wars and book form the next. It could be anything. And they made me read. I remember really the, you know, one of the first books I got that was uh, fiction, but it was non-picture was Werewolf of Fever Swamp. It was Goosebumps. And I finished it in a night. And I was under, and I, this was before I was 10. And my mom looked at me like, you finished that whole book in, this, in an evening? I said, yeah. And she's like, wow. And so next day I went to a bookstore and got more Goosebumps. And so I, I, my parents, they are my rock. And I, I love them. I will always love them. And the fact that not only they've been supportive of me with the show and going back to my move down here to Virginia, but also my move out west to Los Angeles, they're so happy for me. And, and so mom and dad and, and, and Gail, my stepmom, thank you so much for believing in me, for supporting in me, for supporting my dreams, for just being fucking awesome. Sorry, mom, I said fuck again, but it's, it's true. You guys are <laughs> awesome. Uh, I also want to thank, of course, everybody who I've talked to in terms of reps from PR firms to people – who work in publishing, uh, you know, Steven over at IDW, Clark over at DC, you know, so many other people, you guys and, gir- and girls have been really just played a, a pivotal role in not only my career, but helped me build as an interviewer and as a reader. You've opened my eyes to books that I might not have read, um, I have may have missed, and thank you. And I will continue to, again, review your books. My my blog, Mouth of the Merc, is going to be, I'm hopeful to launch it probably the first week of October um, because I need to get settled, of course, in L.A. And that's the first most important thing is that I get settled and stuff like that. Um, so just to everybody at every studio, I mean, we work with Paramount. I mean, this is the work that James and I did with Paramount, the people over at Paramount, Sony, Marvel, uh, you know, everybody that we've talked to over the years, all television studios to the people I know over at Fox and NBC, CBS, Sci-Fi, you people have been amazing and you've been supportive and, you know, everybody at Blizzard and stuff like that and, 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 and Stern Pinball and, you know, people we've interviewed always 100 plus episodes and all you cosplayers we had on the show and, and, and actors and actresses and, and just, you know, writers and creative people, you have helped me grow not only as a journalist, not only as a reader, but also as a fucking man. And you have made me see and learn and want to learn more about the business of comics and movies and stuff like that and television and how things work. And, you know, I've gotten books and articles on just how you know pr and, and how things work and the inside and intricacies of things and uh you know you everybody there again has just been amazing and you know you tell us all the time that you listen and you love what we do and you love the interviews and stuff like that and, and also thank you to all to just promoting uh the show i mean it's been amazing uh, you know, it, it's been amazing just to everything you guys and, and, and women and women have been doing for us since day one. Uh, thank you so much for supporting us, uh, through these years. And, and again, leaving the show is a hard thing. And, 
I promise I'm done crying for now. But I'm probably going to cry more when I'm editing this later in the week and then when I'm uploading it and stuff like that. But uh, just know that to everybody, you have been wonderful and you have been amazing. And, and finally, just to the listeners who, again, have uh, stuck by us since day one, to the people who went to our live shows, to people who, I will say this, I'm 28. I've never thought in my life I would have a booth at a con. People come up to my booth and ask for an autograph. I thought I would never be stopped in the grocery store in my life and asked for a photo. And I've had those, and James has had those as well. Uh, and we've had them together. We've been in places together, and people have stopped us for stuff, and it's been awesome. Uh, so to know that we reached that many people and it's, and it's you know just love throughout, it, it's really amazing. It's an amazing feeling. You know, I still have photos of just, again, us sitting at TidewaterCon and signing autographs. I mean, we had people that literally they would come to our table every year, our booth every year, and talk to us because we do our live shows there. You know, we have people come and stop by and sit down. And then we had, you know, people that are like eight, nine years old. They come to us and say, I like your show. And we look at the parents like, wait, you let them listen to us? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is awesome. Um, you know, and a bit shocking, but, uh, I remember one thing that, that stuck, stood out to me the most, and I, I don't think I've talked about this on air. Um, well, two things, uh, and it, it, they both involve young listeners. Uh, I remember one year, and I think this was, this was, uh, last Tywar Comic Con 2015, not, not the one that was just passed, but. Uh, it was last year we had a booth, and we had this young boy come up to us, and it was with his mom and his dad, and we were talking to him, and we were off air, and just talking to him about the con, we were talking to him about, you know, stuff in nerd culture and geek culture, and, uh, you know, he asked for an autograph, and we signed autographs for him, and took a picture with him, and it was about an hour after he came and, and, and stopped by and saw us, his mom came back around to us and she was by herself. And James and I were sitting at the table and we were, again, we were off air. We were just relaxing. It was during one of our breaks. Um, and the mom came up to him and said, you guys made my son's day. Uh, oh shit. <laughs> um, she came to us and said, you just made my son's day. He cannot stop talking about you guys and how awesome and kind you were and to have him, you know, go behind your booth and take a photo with him and sign stuff for him and talk to him about nerd culture and, and you know, have that impact on him. And uh, it meant a lot, man. You know, it, it meant a lot because when you know you can touch somebody's life through something like that and just it makes a great impact. You know, somebody who one day wants to be a dad, you know, it melts my heart, man. It's just, it's important to be kind to one another and to, to embrace, you know, kids who, who are like us and, and are nerdy. And the second time, this was actually before the time when the little boy came and asked for a picture and autograph and talked to us, uh, there was a young girl who was cosplaying uh, as a character from Pokemon, uh, as a police officer, and uh, uh, Officer Jenny, and uh, she, we were actually recording at the time, and she talked about how her friends 
made fun of her because she was in the Pokemon and because she cosplayed and stuff like that. And we looked at her square in the eye and we said, don't let people discourage you from being who you are. You know, always be yourself, like the things you like, you can do whatever you want, you know, just be you and don't let anybody stop you from liking the things you like. We all like things that some people might seem a bit odd because, you know, they don't understand manga or they don't get to deal with cosplay or anything like that. But being a nerd is, is, you know, and a fan of anything is just being yourself at your most happiest and allowing that to show. So to anybody listening out there right now who is going through a tough time, who doesn't know their place in the world, just know that you matter, that we love you and never be afraid to be who you are. And never let anything anybody say or do hinder you and hinder you from doing those things and being happy. And in other words, fuck the haters. Uh, you know, people are going to try to drag you down in life, and you can't have that. You have to move forward. You have to progress. Take it day by day, and just be happy with yourself. You know, it, life is hard enough. It's but it's a lot more easier and fun when you don't let people drag you down and it's coming from a man who was teased and beaten up his whole life for having one arm and the way you don't you know bullying is a problem in society and the way that you stop it is by not letting them win how do you not let them win you don't get them power over you how do you not let them get power over you by letting it wash over you letting the things they say wash over you and you know it, it, it may sound easy it might sound you know weird to say that but it's true I found that you know somebody who was teased a lot when somebody made fun of my arm and the way I looked, I didn't care. I just laughed it off. You know, now I joke about it all the time, and that takes away a lot of the bite and takes away a lot of the power. And uh, also know that if somebody's giving you trouble, just know that they also might have some battles and some demons that they're battling as well. So the best thing you can do for both sides is just be respectable. Be respectable to. Be respectful to one another and just treat each other with kindness and love. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm going to throw this stuff to James because I think I said a lot of what I needed to say. And, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to make that transition to what we usually do and say, you know, here's where you can find us and all that stuff because this is this is a different this is different you know and and just know that everything that that Nick's j- just said and and everything that he said so far it comes from such a genuine place i don't think you guys understand that that um, he doesn't deal in false moments. Everything that he said, he absolutely means it. And hopefully, you get a chance. I mean, if you're, if maybe, maybe you live in LA or you're gonna follow his blog, you know, you just get to know him a little bit better because you'll find that out about him. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of things that, that, that make you root for him. I mean, and, and it's, it's hard for me to say it any other way. You just, he's the kind of guy you want to root for, and he's the kind of guy that. That you're that you're gonna follow, and I know that you will. So absolutely, we'll make sure that there's a link to his blog. His Twitter will always be up there. You get to see the stuff that he randomly tweets about everything. He's still gonna do that. So you'll get to follow him all over the place. I'm sure he'll still do a Twitch stream every now and then because you know he's a gamer and he can't stop himself. So he'll still be doing his Twitch stream 
it'll all be up on our website. I promise you that. And 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 when someday when there's a giant down and nerdy building, I promised him that we'd have the cheesy paintings of the two of us in the lobby with the with the with the brass plaques saying who we were and all that stuff. And you know, maybe we'll have him back someday and sign autographs in the building. Who knows what the future will hold for what's going on? But I mean, just. It's a sad day, but it's also an exciting day because I know how how great things are going to be in the future, and, and this and it's just going to be so great to be able to talk about it again someday. And uh, again, you can reach me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram at Merc with One Arm. Hit you know the show up podcast on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Down Nerdy. It's also on Twitter at Down Nerdy Seven Five Seven. James, where can I find you, my man? I'm at James Ace Witham. That's W-I-T-H-A-M. I'm sure I'll be retweeting a lot of that stuff at some point down <laughs> the line. And, you know, I'll always find everything that's going on with not just the show, but with Nick as well. We'll have that up at downandnerdypodcast.com. There's a nice About Us section. You know, it's it's not going away. You know, as a, as a co-founder of the show, he'll always be up there. And there'll always be a little description, not just about him in general, but we'll add some stuff about you know his time on the show as it goes on and stuff like that. And that's always going to be there at downandnerdypodcast.com. And the last thing I want to say before I sign off for the final time is this. Continue to support the show. Just because I'm gone doesn't mean you should stop listening. James is still going to strive to give you the great content that you came to love and know from both of us on the show the past three and a half years is 175 episodes. So go follow him on Twitter, follow him on Facebook, everything you can do, because this man gives his heart and soul into everything he does. Uh, again, just a quick thank to all the listeners out there. You guys and you men and women have made this, doing the show, so worthwhile and so fun every week, week in and week out. It's, again, it's going to feel weird going into the following week and not having to do any of this anymore. Um, it, it's going to feel real weird, but, you know, I know I listened to that first episode next week and I'm not on it and I hear that new intro and I hear James talk, you know, it's going to still be the same great stuff that I've come to love over the past two and a half years. And also if there does come a time where somebody does come in and not necessarily take my place, but works alongside James just all I ask for you, whoever you may be, just respect him, respect the show, and respect the time and effort that goes into what we've built and the time and effort that goes into keeping this show a such such a great haven for people to come and get their information from because thousands of people depend on this, you know, for entertainment every week and you know, we get the messages, we get the tweets and stuff like that from people. So seriously, take this seriously, and uh, I love you all. I promise I will keep you updated on my life in L.A. Again, feel free to tweet me about whatever. Uh, my blog is going to be strictly comic book based because I just don't have the time to, you know, but everything I got going on in Los Angeles, I just don't have the time to write about every single show because God knows that by the time the show goes up, there's going to be like 20 more that just get announced that are going to be based on comic books alone. Uh-huh. So. We know how that stuff goes, but I'll be sure to, you know, from time to time, give my thoughts on them on my Twitter and stuff like that, of course. So be sure to check for that. But again, uh, Mouth of the Merc, my blog, James is going to keep a site up there, uh, or a link, I should say, up to, on the website, downrightpodcast.com, so you can be sure to check out my writings. Uh, again, I, I hope to be launching it on October 1st. 
uh, and it's gonna have a new layout. It's gonna have it's gonna be really really cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, be sure to check that out. And uh, again, to all you nerds, all you geeks, all you people who just love the show, remember, as always, practice comic book reading. Always bang and board your comics, and I love you all.